to see you. How are you? No, although, well, I'm, I'm all right. I just woke up from a two-hour snooze. That's the beauty of lockdown. <laughs> um, and I'm not really having anything to do. Um, and oh, I went to the Tate Modern today to the Andy Warhol exhibition that just opened. Let's start being Ooh. cultural. Yeah. I, mean, I still haven't um, been to the, the redone Tate Modern, which is now <clears throat> about three years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the Tate Modern uh, and, um, and that was a good exhibition. And I felt like the best way to pay tribute to Andy Warhol, who I have been a lifelong fan of, was to wear a Uniqlo Andy Warhol t-shirt and a, an Andy Warhol <laughs> fright wig and force my poor friend who went with me to take photographs of me in front of Andy Warhol pictures. That was the I way to Warhol go. Andy would have liked that. <laughs> I hope he would have been delighted. I feel like it was a fitting tribute. So um, yeah. that was uh, fun. So uh, we are in week three of the show that we still maybe haven't decided a name for, but we're, we're warming to Great Gig Girl again. Uh, that's my favourite. That's your favourite so favorite. far. Okay. Great Gig like Girl. It. Yeah, I like it too. That was your first instinct. And I, I just don't think you should overthink names. You know, once you've said a name True. twice, it's just, it's just the thing that it's called, you know? Yeah. Have you got um, any friends with weird names who you've just, when you first meet them, you're like, come again? And then after three days, you're like, that's fine. That's just their name I now. I really. Have you? I have a friend called Meow, like uh, the noise that a cat makes. And I, I just assumed it was like a, it was a different name in Finland or it was like a Finnish name. And Meow was like, no, it's the noise a cat makes in Finland as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's delightful. More animal sounds as names. It is delightful, isn't it? I think might be the way to go. It's just the name. Yes. <laughs> It's just the noise that the cat yes. makes. <laughs> but after two yeah. times of saying it, you're like, that's their name. And you don't even know it's it. Oh, so great no, gig, girl. Of course, you're just going to go with it. Great gig, girl. Um, and gig, before yeah. we get into uh, this week's gig, which for me Treat. was a journey was a journey of discovery, of unexpected discoveries. <laughs> and we're, we're going to get into that. Yes. But I want to ask you before <laughs> we do that, if... Um, I wanted to ask you about the worst gigs you've ever seen. If you have any memories of bad gigs. Even, and that, I think that can be across any board, so that doesn't necessarily need to be a music gig or concert. If there's any, oh. any performance you've seen that comes oh. to mind. Oh, I, I immediately thought of one, and I... Okay, I'm just going to tell you, and um, I want, I'm going to do it with all of my heart um, for this person, because when we were... Because it, it, she's so bad, but so um, tenacious. And yes. Uh, we shared a venue with her like, the first year, the shit theatre, um, my performance, Joe. We did Edinburgh, which is 10 years ago this year. And she yeah. is a Korean, actually very apt for what we're doing today. She was a Korean-American woman, and her act uh-huh. was called The Singing Acupuncturist. And <gasps> she uh, was an acupuncturist by day. And wanted to be a Broadway star by night. And this is genuinely her life. Uh, and she would play karaoke backing tracks. And then she would act out her parents being like, being like, yeah. do not do this. We do not want you to do this. And then she'd be like, but mom, this is my dream. And then she'd be like, she'd go over to the side of the stage. She'd be like, do not do this. And then she would dress up as her own fairy godmother in the silence uh-huh. that followed. And then go, I believe in you. I believe oh. in you. And then she would sing, I dreamed a dream. Um, <laughs> Or other various songs with the word dream in, which in like when you have quite a strong Korean accent, it's quite a hard word to say because of the R. Um, Bless. And so she, but she came back to the Edinburgh Fringe every year for six years with this show. Um, wow. And I was looking her up the other day, I was thinking of her. And her latest show, which she did in Edinburgh two years ago, she's currently um, living in New York, and it was called The Singing Acupuncturist Makes It in New York, or Does She? <laughs> And did she? Now I, I want to. Now I, I want to see the show. No, that's amazing. She, and she's a living legend in my. In that's it. brilliant, and I want to know yes. if she did make yes. it. If she's listening now, my God, I love you, and I still remember you. Yes, and please tell us, did she? Um, <laughs> did, uh, I want made to know. it in New York, or does she? Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Nick? What is the um, um? What is your worst or most spectacularly 
terrible because I feel like the seeing acupuncturist transcended and went round full circle into being something um, that Did she actually forever. do any acupuncture during the act? No, that would that so, would have made it performance art and well, then she would have been funded by the arts council. <laughs> but I feel that that's unqualified because she she may not indeed be an acupuncturist and just <laughs> a singer. Anyway, where's the proof? Um, where's the proof? I want us to. I want to see the medical certificates. Um, so I. I'm not sure they get a medical well, certificate, do they? Maybe they don't. No, probably not. Probably not. All respect um, to acupuncturists. Yeah, no, probably no, no actual certificates. Um, so I. Um, the worst one I ever... Well, the one that comes to mind is I once saw a, um, a burlesque act and she, oh, no. she was doing the whole... I, I'm, I've got, I'm, I did quite a lot of gigs with, with burlesque and there, was, there definitely came a point where I was like, I never want to see a lady shape pointing at her pants again in like a cheeky way. You know what I mean? I was just like, never <laughs> yeah. want to see that again. Please um, stop taking anyways, your gloves off. <laughs> Oh, very slowly. I don't care. I know you have hands underneath there. That's fine. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! I have digits, fingers. Yeah, we know. Um, and so basically, uh, so it was. It was the whole like I've got ostrich feather plumes. I've got you know like it was a um, a, ba- a basque or whatever. So it's like your, your trad burlesque look. But she also had a nest on stage. And so she was doing the whole very, like, I'm seductively swaying my ostrich feather fans, et cetera, et cetera. And then sort of, like, yeah. squatting over this nest. Oh, my God. And she's, she started to become more and more furious looking. Like, you know when, you, when someone's, like, something's going wrong in the performance and they've realised they cannot yes. style it out? And what I realised oh, was that she had eggs in her vagina <gasps> and that they were not coming out. No! So it reached the point where she was beyond the point of fury and she just oh basically shoved <laughs> her hand frozen. up into her vagina, <laughs> pulled out the eggs, threw them on the floor and stormed off. So that was, that was definitely a highlight in terms of really bad performances that I have seen. Um, I was going to say, that sounds other, like one of the best... Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, it was amazing to witness, um, and I did feel for her. But I just, I just enjoyed the kind of like, the transition from complete delicate sort of like I'm a lovely burlesque lady to I'm furious. I'm throwing these vagina eggs on the floor and storming <laughs> off. Goodbye. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so that was a good one, and then just this other one which I didn't witness fully myself. But, um, so I was once in a bar where the only thing they were playing was live Phil Collins videos. That in then, what country uh, was this? Uh, this was in Thailand. Mm-hmm. So it's in quite a small bar in Thailand where the, the owner obviously loved Phil Collins. And I think you just have to be like, okay, you love Phil Collins, that's great. But they did get to a point where it was like, oh God, I can't do this anymore. So they were projecting Phil Collins live videos and playing them. And there was a point yeah. at which um, Phil Collins in one of his like, it must've been like 80s, 90s gigs or something, had decided to let people phone in while he was live on right. stage, like fans. <laughs> and this guy phoned yeah. it, this guy, this guy phoned in live on stage in front of like millions of people and basically yeah. was just like oh Phil you've got me through some hard times my wife left me for my brother no. um, I lost my job no. um, it was just like all, it was like endless sort of like so, like everything's gone terrible but I've, I've I've got you Phil it was like that and then Phil Collins yeah. basically went right well I don't really know what to say into that and then launched into um, think tw- <gasps> no not think twice into um, take a look at me now which is basically a song which is like, well, you're crap and your life's awful. And that was it. So your other worst gig was Phil Collins. Phil Collins sort of basically like trolling someone <laughs> live on stage, basically. <laughs> but then also trolling us all, frankly, <laughs> just through his with, just by, with just by being Phil Collins and with his music. <laughs> um, <laughs> I apologise to any Phil Collins fans. <laughs> this might not be for you. Well, that's always the awkward thing, isn't it? With, like, music taste, that you have to sort of just slightly broach it carefully in case someone goes, well, I really like that person. Which has well, happened to me. It's completely... <laughs> that can happen on dates, no. That, well, exactly. No. That's why... With, with dates, you have to be so... Like, 
the question, so what kind of music do you like? Which obviously is like, seems like, but it's actually obviously a terrible question to ask. Uh, but also, uh, it's so loaded. Like, you have to be so careful about those kind of questions. Yeah. You ever been on a date and it turns out the person was a terrible person? Yeah. Yeah, I once went on a date, a uh, blind date. Well, it was blindish. I just met this guy and I was so drunk that I didn't remember what he looked like uh-huh. when I showed up. <laughs> and then it turned out, like, it turned out he was doing a master's in war studies and was very um, pro, pro-war. Big into war. Oh, you just, it's hard to know what to say. So I once yeah. went on a date where um, I turned up and the first thing, first thing that happened was that he, he pulled out a picture of a Ferrari and showed it to me and went, Daddy's going to buy this for me soon. And I was oh. like, I don't think Did he think mean Daddy maybe... Daddy or like, I have a Daddy? Well, so this was the confusing thing because he also then talks about how he had a blanket made out of 10,000 chinchillas. Um, Dead which, ones. Uh, which threw me because I'm like, I'm a vegetarian. I don't know if mm. this is going to work. <laughs> and then um, and then he did tell me how he had a daddy that, that uh, paid for everything. Right. But, uh, but he wanted to upgrade and would move to Dubai if he had to. Those were exact <gasps> words. I think so you again, told me about like, this guy. I'm not sure what the future is here. Um <laughs> Uh, and about uh, and we were having pizza and about halfway through I thought I don't think I can take this anymore so I said oh I am heavily diabetic which I am not and uh, I'm just going to go and just check my blood sugar levels because I'm feeling a bit woozy so mm. popped into the loop and came back out again and said listen I'm really sorry but my blood sugar levels are really really low and if I don't go home right now and inject myself I am probably going to go into a coma and he <gasps> said um, diabetes can I catch that <laughs> I hope you said yeah. You better leave. I was, I was basically like, maybe. Okay, bye. So that was that done. So yeah, not the best uh, date of all time. Diabetes is quite a good out. I remember that. If I ever, it's a good out. It's a good out. Yeah, uh, basically, good. comas are a good out for dates. Oh, bad dates. oh I'm so sorry. I think I might, I might be about to go into a coma. Into a coma. Yeah. So I think that just does it. <laughs> That's a date ender, if ever Mm -hmm. there was one. (laughs) Right, let's get going with this week's gig. Yeah, great gig girl. It's great gig girl. It's BTS, the world's BTS, the world's best-selling band. This year's best-selling band, the biggest band in the world. It's BTS. Nick, tell me everything you knew about BTS before this week. They are currently dominating the charts around the world. Um, something like 60% share of the charts or some kind of weird stat- statistic I was reading just now. Uh, but essentially, yeah. they are a huge BTS. So what, were your, what was your prior knowledge of BTS? My prior knowledge of BTS was basically that they existed and that was it. Yeah. And yeah, not even that, I would say. I kept calling them. <laughs> they existed. I kept calling them BTK, which is the name of a serial killer. <laughs> and yeah, I also had never um, heard, even heard a BTS song before, let alone um, seen a performance. Yeah. And, and K pop as a phenomenon, what's your sort of. Have you had much knowledge of K pop? Have you had much of an in with K pop? Again, no knowledge, no in, and I would say a feeling of prejudice against it as being a sort of commercial and pre-made, like, packaged boy band, girl band sort of thing going on. The only other thing I would have heard of is a a number of suicides among the K-pop community in the last few years have made it to the news in the UK, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. How about you? uh, Well, similarly, um, my understanding of K-pop was just that the, the contracts are brutal and yes. that people keep fainting because they they work so hard. So that yeah. was my only only knowledge. I read uh, and a couple of sort of things I saw about uh, people having these very exploitative situations and sort of being like churned out essentially and at the end of their yeah. contracts kind of leaving with nothing. So it seemed to be like quite a brutal world. Um, and it, that is true though. So they do... Um... And BTS came from this as well. They have sort of production houses where they sign up mm. sort of teenagers and preteens and then they're trained up 
to be pop stars and out of those uh-huh. sort of schools or universities, some of them are called. They're kind of like the Brit school, but you're not allowed to leave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is like where you start paying in sweat forever, yeah. basically. But I mean, you know, yeah, we had, a, we had the Brit school, Adele, Amy Winehouse. Yeah. So it, it's just a judgment from our end and looking at their version of a Brit school. I think the Koreans yeah, are just much better well at education. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Adele's doing fine. She's lost a bit Adele of weight. We're all worried fine. about her. But she's fine. Adele is doing fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so I had, I, I similarly had some, some practices. I was aware of some artists this year. Blackpink, who are a, um, a girl band from Korea, K-pop girl band. Um, they recorded a song with Lady Gaga which I'm currently enjoying on her new album. So there's oh, yes. this very interesting kind of crossover breakthrough that's been happening since K-pop kind of emerged in the mid-90s. They've had like a, a sort of rise in the mid-90s and they dipped again mm. in the mid-2000s. Mm. And now in the last few years, uh, they're ha- having another resurgence of K-pop. And now they are it's absolutely dominating. BTS are absolutely dominating Korea. And incredible. Yeah. And the world. And the world. So it's incredible to see that um, sort of international journey for, um, for, for uh, Korean and you know, Asia, Asian music in general, that we're seeing this kind of crossover into international chart domination and massive tours. Um, so it's, it's kind of exciting to see that, I think. Very interesting. So we chose BTS principally because we had never ever experienced them before and we felt like after the the two, the two artists we did last week we've done previous weeks madonna and kate bush that it would be good to kind of go for someone contemporary not that madonna's not yeah. contemporary but it was the blind well, ambition tour it was 1990 and, right um, it was also now. to someone we hadn't really ever experienced before so it was a journey of discovering and one of the things that i was not expecting to get from this was a reading list of mid-century european avant-garde writers that BTS have indeed based a lot of their work on. Yes, so BTS are, so for a little bit of background, they're seven, what started off as teenage boys, in a boy band, which means Bulletproof Boy Scouts, but now stands for Beyond the Scene because they have evolved. Uh, yes. And they, are, they, they co-write and co-produce all of their songs. Mm-hmm. And they have made a lot of, they have like a sort of a manifesto to speak for their generation. And so yeah. they have made quite a number of like anti-establishment tracks. They have made tracks against the Minister for Education, sort of pro-minority, pro-LGBT stuff. Uh, uh, a number of tracks about, tracks about the, uh, the Sewell Ferry disaster from a few years ago. Oh. So they, they really go for it. Yeah, and uh, influence. So I'm not surprised inc- to hear that about your, um, your reading list, although I have yeah. I'm not. I'm not, so, I'm not so influences... Include Nietzsche, and um, there's also influences from a writer called Ursula Le Guin, who is a Swiss writer who um, wrote kind of speculative futurism. Sort of sci-fi stuff. In the 1950s, so kind of sci-fi-esque. So they've got all these kind of interesting references from... um, from European literature, from philosophy, from futurism. The other thing that I was very interested to read about them is that there is a parallel universe associated with them. Yes. So they have sort of taken this literary offshoot of mm-hmm. their own um, sort of, yeah, imagined alternative universe. And they're producing books and comic books. And I think mm. there's going to be films. There's usually films with bands like this. Yeah, there's f- films potentially... TV series, so so there's these sort of literary crossovers. Again, was not expecting that. There was loads I didn't expect about this. I didn't expect yeah. to care or like them. And I think I texted you about two songs in. I was like, oh no, I think I love BTS. <laughs> yes, I was very <laughs> surprised that within moments I gave an actual damn about this whole situation. So let's get into the gig. So we watched the Love Yourself, Speak Yourself tour that was filmed in Japan in 2019 in Osaka. Uh, I've been mm-hmm. to Osaka, by the way, and it has the oh, world's I'm so largest... Jealous. Yeah, it was amazing. It has the world's largest aquarium tank that includes, when I was there, <laughs> two, two whale sharks. Oh, that's so upsetting. 
kind of upsetting, but huge, like literally the biggest um, tank in the world. It's also the only place Glass in box. Japan that I went to. Glass box. It's, it's the only uh, place in Japan that I went to that was, I was a bit like, this feels a little sketchy in places, but it was, it was an amazing place to visit. Huh. So part sketchy of their stadium like, tour. Um, Osaka was sketchy places. like, hmm. Like, 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 Bog, like Bogner Regis. No, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, shout out to Bogner. <laughs> shout out to Bogner. But uh, yeah, um, so this was part of their stadium tour that happened in um, 2019. Mm-hmm. Biggest selling uh, stadium tour of that year, top grossing in the world. This is their third world tour. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at some of these statistics. They are currently, they are responsible for 0.3% of the entire GDP of South Korea. And they attract one wow. in every 13 tourists that visit South Korea currently. Are there Which, because I want to go BTS. now. I want to go to no, South Korea. No, I want to go. Have you, yes. ever, have you ever been yes. to Korea? I've not been to Korea. I would love to. But um, now I'm even more keen because I, I want to go oh. and be a BTS fan. In Korea. Same. I mean, I love Korean food. I'm a big fan of those girthy mm. noodles. Topoki uh, mm-hmm. or topoki, whatever it's called. But now oh, I well, have another reason. The other uh, export, one of the other major exports from BTS, uh, sorry, from Korea, uh, other major <laughs> exports from Korea, um, that has been a cultural phenomenon is mukbangs. Have you ever experienced one of those? Excuse me. Yes, a mukbang M- like... is well. It translates as food video, essentially. And mm. what will happen is uh, this started in Korea and has now become a worldwide phenomenon. Um, and quite a money spinner is that you would uh, buy a lot of food and just eat it um, on video on video while talking so you'd probably make a youtube video you'd eat a lot of you'd buy like a lot of food from somewhere and you'd just sit and eat it and talk to your your audience while you eat it oh um I, uh, I know what I'm doing after this (laughs) yeah you have a mukbang I'm desperate to have a mukbang but or watch um, a mukbang Watch a mukbang. You you might end up down a mukbang hole. I'm just going to warn you. <laughs> I have fallen down please, many mukbangs. Please send me down a mukbang hole. I have fallen down many a mukbang hole in my time. Um, the it came the, out they, looking like this. Yes, they uh, they have developed. So there are now lots of different types of mukbangs. But one of them, which I think is a bit sad, is that because they used to be about talking to your audience and sort of yeah. like being like, hmm, these. Uh, these chips are delicious. I shall dunk them in mustard. Things like that, yeah. I suspect you would say. Um, but now there's a trend where people set up a camera in front of them and mm. they eat and they don't necessarily engage with... In fact, they, they're not really going to engage with the person. And then the viewer would set it up on their device opposite them while they're eating so that they, yeah. ju- so that they, so they're not they might be alone. eating on their own. But someone is like there in front of them eating but I, it's so sad because they don't look at them or talk to them so there's no engagement so it's oh. basically like having the you know like the worst most dysfunctional relationship happening in front of you but yeah so that's these Zoom are Korean exists. exports well Zoom does exist but not everyone wants to actually talk to someone <laughs> while they're eating they just want to look at them apparently. they just want a mukbang in front of their own they mukbang they just want a mukbang I'm just a mukbang standing in front of another mukbang asking them to silently <laughs> eat their dinner with me. Yes. Uh, so, we let's get into this gig. Let's get into this gig. Let me say from the top that these are the sexiest little lesbian boys in the entire universe. <laughs> there is something for everyone with these hot lesbians because if you squint or look from a certain direction, they are all and every gender. It's just, they are so beautiful. Here they come, the screaming happens, and there's an intensity to the screaming in this uh, Japanese Osaka stadium. That I, um, I don't know if you've ever been to a gig where you've screamed like the people in the stadium are screaming, but they're not just going, yay, they're fucking screaming. Actual screaming, yeah. The, this, this crowd is like hyped from the very beginning. They are not there to play, yeah. It's quite something to witness. I've never been to like a screamy type gig, truth be told, um, but I now want to. I think it would be an amazing experience to see what would happen, like how many decibels you could, your ears can deal with, because <laughs> it's just incredible. So at the beginning of the concert, we have the set, which I immediately was into, 
which is uh, Greek columns, big silver tigers with Greek, red yeah. eyes. I've got inflatable leopards, same thing. Inflatable leopards and tigers, yeah, with, with red glowing eyes and a really great use of, of, of splurting fireworks. And there's some good use of some, ooh, ooh, there's some like intensity building. Oh, it is a hype opener. They are they are not playing. Oh, they go be. they go straight in uh, with the hype, and uh, it just works works up. It works up, and uh, and I have to say, I was there. I'm there for a yeah. hype opening, and I was ready to be hyped. <laughs> yeah, as someone who had never seen these people or heard this music before, by before they came on stage, I was basically screaming as well. Yes. So they uh, suddenly appear on stage, and that's. Mm-hmm. Quite a feature of the first couple of songs is a lot of things happening very suddenly where you're like, How, where, where did that come from? How did that happen? Oh, yes. where did they all pop up from? And again, very much here for that. Um, so we've got white suits. We've got yeah. white harnesses. And I already know within my first minutes, the first minutes of watching, who is my favourite. Oh, tell me who your favourite is because my I favorite can't is My favourite is a gin. Jin uh, with a J, Jin. who has lavender hair. Here's the list of names. We've got Jin, J-Hope, RM, yeah. he's the leader. Yeah. Sugar, mm-hmm. I, assume, I assume that's pronounced Sugar. V, Jungkook and Jimin. Jimin, not Jin. So there's... Yeah. So, so Jin, Jin, with the, Jin with the lavender hair, I appreciate immediately. Yes. Because he's got a cheeky grin. And he also has a signature move that he, he does throughout to great effect. No one ever gets bored of this very extended, pronounced air kiss that he does. Oh, yes. Um, they all love it. He does it constantly throughout. He knows it's his thing. He's, he's going to establish that right from the beginning. And it works. <laughs> you know, when I you... also... Um... Yeah, Sorry, so... carry on. Well, I also really, because I was reading a bit about them all, and I uh, really appreciate Jinin as well. He was a trained contemporary dancer. Yeah. He um, is known for challenging gender norms, became a contemporary dancer uh, against the wishes of his parents, oh. and, uh, and is considered one of the finest contemporary dancers in Korea. Is he? Yes. So I mean, I'm not surprised. Footage. They're all great dancers. They are amazing dancers. So so he's a very expressive dancer. So I appreciate him as well. I am a fan of... It's hard to tell. There's there's a little... Um, the one with two little hoop earrings. Mm. Uh, I think this is either Sugar or Jungkook. I googled the um, BTS members and the, the thing that comes up in Google is which is the cutest BTS member and how can I marry Jungkook? <laughs> <laughs> how can you marry Jungkook? The answer is I don't think you can. Sorry. Oh god damn it. Yeah. But they do have <laughs> the percentages of who they do have the percentages of who was the cutest members of BTS. I don't know who voted for that. Oh. And I'm not gonna read How it out because it's not fair. They're all as cute no. as each other. They are all fully adorable yeah. and charming from the from the very first. And also I think just so kind of with each other as a band, which is what I always think is is massively important and I'm always there for, is if, yes. if if a band is really in sync and are really working together and are just, like, on it, I'm I'm always like, yes, this is a very good opener. Yeah, they're such a gang, and you don't really get to see that many gangs on stage. There was, mm-hmm. you, you know, Figs in Wigs, who are a, a contemporary uh, performance art gang of uh, yeah. women they one of them one of the five of them wrote a great article about the fact that they're a gang and because there's not a lot of money in art and especially in weird fringe art you tend to get people like mm. us working solo or in pairs and when you yeah. see a whole group of people really working together on stage as one gang it's quite an unusual thing and because they yeah. don't have a problem with money that's a seven person gang and they are that is a seven person gang yeah they are with each other they really and actually, are they, They've all got their own thing going on because some of them are rappers and some of them are the vocalists, the singers. And they could, yeah. they could, they're all given a solo bit and every single one smashes it in their own yeah. way. Yeah, no, they absolutely do. Now, we've got at the beginning as well. So I'm going to hearken back to mm-hmm. um, the shows that we've done previously, um, Blonde Ambition and Kate Bush's Tour of Life. So we've got the Kate Bush mic. So that, I, I'm going to potentially be um, suggesting that there might be some elements of influence from, 
from the gigs that we've already seen. But we've got that Kate Bush mic. So what were your thoughts on the opening? So the opening is with the inflatable leopards, the Greek pillars, the flames and the dancers and, oh. them, and them all in white. Um, I was thinking about this thing you said, actually, and I'd made a note of it, this surprise element. Yeah. And as someone who, you know, we both make performance a lot, I really appreciated the use of surprise. That is always something I have in my notes, uh, something that I want to work into every show and something that is like a real gift to the audience and an energy boost is what is going to be the surprise twist now? What's the thing that you can not literally pull out of a hat, but, you know, pull out of a hat at this point that somebody isn't going to expect. And straight away, BTS are basically opening the show with the, their best gags from last year. You know, like how some, some comedians have this challenge of they will start next year's show with last year's best joke in order to push themselves. And it felt like the opening of BTS is the sort of thing people would normally close a show with because it's got all of the surprises. It's got all of this, like, over-the-top leopards. It's got all of the dancers on stage. It's got all of, like, the fire and yes. the Greek pillars. And you're like, where are they going to go from here? Because they've yes. opened right at the top with everything. Yes. And one of them shouts, are you ready to get hyped up? And I was like, yes, I am. I am ready to get hyped up. <laughs> I was fully yeah. in there. And the first track I've just written awesome. I really liked. Like never yeah. having never ever heard a BTS song before in my life. I was fully there for yeah. it. I really enjoyed the first the first track, which was called Idol, I believe. Ah, Dionysus. It's It's called, so the first track is called Dionysus. Yes, Dionysus. Idol comes later. Idol's a big sort of like ending number at the end of this bit of sort of section of this gig. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, so Dionysus, and then they go... Which uh, makes sense for the Greek pillars. It does make sense for the Greek pillars. Listen, BTS are doing their reading. Western philosophy, Eastern philosophy, it's all there. Which... Fantastic. So, so, yeah, so the next track is called Save Me, and they've already gone. This is um, a sort of like a signature of K pop that they mix a lot of their styles, but they go direct from sort of like a sort of big electronic number, sort of electronic dance number, some EDM in the nicest way possible, into basically a reggaeton track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they um, are, they've got the classic I'm a superstar, let's go into our people, yes. ramp into the audience with another stage amongst the crowd. Yes, and that is a long walk. That's a long walk. Oh, that stadium is big. That stadium is big. That is a long walk down to that sort of like middle <laughs> centre stage moment. And I was, I was like, they are not out of breath. I'm impressed. They were out of breath after this number, though, which I really loved seeing, actually. That was mm. one of my favourite things I love. I watched, uh, rewatched the Beyonce gig, the homecoming one. Mm. And when you see a fucking superstar take a minute and, like, wipe sweat off their heads with a towel mm-hmm. and drink some water like they do here. Because you see them like, these. we were a perfect little prince. We are a perfect little prince nailing it. And then they stop after this number and mop their heads mm-hmm. and have a drink yes. and sort of stand there taking it all in and really fucking loving it. Yes, I, lo- I love that. And I thought the second, I thought the visual was stunning of the first, mm. uh, of the second track. It's a huge dance number. They they have a maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 dances. Must be 50 Must over be 50 it. Dances. There's probably not, they're absolutely huge, everywhere. There's a huge amount of dances. Um, so BTS are all dressed in white. The dancers are all dressed in black. And it's mm-hmm. quite a, um, it's, it's a very striking monochromatic dance moment. I think it, visually it looks oh, incredible. But I, yeah, I, I, I've written down um, and that they link arms as well at the end. And it feels very oh, sort of joyful. Moment. Yeah, it feels very joyful. And then I've got pause for screaming and wiping down. <laughs> Yes, pause for screaming and wiping down and uh, some time for them to all speak Japanese. They are all, I think, fluently speaking another language and have released Japanese language albums as well as Korean language albums and English songs as well. So the Japanese crowd are really appreciating them. Yeah, so speaking Japanese, I'm guessing kind of fluently. Yes, I looked it up. They speak Ah. Japanese. They have Japanese language albums. Wow. I mean... They're clever little genius boys as well. clever geniuses. Because there's the bits mm-hmm. of English, there's bits of Japanese. Um, it's really phenomenal. And I've uh, I, I, and a moment that I kind of enjoyed there was that um, I think it's Jin um, just dabs his eye slightly, and the audience go crazy. There's a lot of screaming, yeah. and um, the, the, yeah. and it might be the emotion. It also might be the contact lenses. But oh, good spot. But it works. 
because uh, there's a lot they're of... really good at working their close-ups like they, they know oh, when the cameras are on them and they know their angles those boys know their oh, angles one of them when we get to it there is a there is a on a bed moment where one of them is working a camera like crazy yes they we'll, work, we'll they, get to it they work the camera and um and also um heavy use of uh, of colored colored contact lenses yes which uh it really, I mean, it makes that it makes the look pop, but that must be uncomfortable. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it looks incredible. So yeah, so we have that uh, we have that sort of like moment where they just stand and the crowd are going crazy, um, and they're yeah. sort of saying hello in Japanese. Uh, and then we're into "I'm Fine," which is uh, another song where I've got that they're prancing about and having a lovely time, which is a, a shorthand way of just saying they're just. This is sort of like a gimmick-free song. This third one where they're in the sort of the secondary stage in the middle of the arena, just having a lovely time with each other. Yes. Uh, and, and I've I, I, I've just got this sense that, um, you know, they're very natural performers. They're very charismatic. And that there's a sort of a goofiness as well. Yeah. I think we always end up pointing this out. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because we're watching people that are sort of built up as idols and so they feel like they should be more serious. But Madonna was goofier. Kate Bush was goofier. And BTS are goofier than anticipated and i like yes. that you point that out it's a nice thing that you always notice there yes and i, I thought they would ch- you like and i like I, as well i like it a lot and i think it's it's really charming and also what i was getting was a sense you know m- maybe and i i might be pulling uh, pulling at strings here but i i i feel that if we talked about how madonna in in um the blonde ambition that there was this sense of there being acts. And I sort of felt that a bit with this gig as well, that it there feels like definitely transitions into different kind of energies yeah. and different feels that, that's running throughout. And, and I, so I was, myself, I was sort of feeling like there were, there were influences here of, um, you know, maybe not directly, but of that sort of style of how to create a, and how to sort of dramaturg a concert. But also in the, in the same way that Kate Bush did, there's, there's kind of, for quite a bit of it, there's a different setup for each song as well. Yeah, absolutely. And they, I guess the most basic way of doing that is that you see the sort of, there's four or five major costume changes and major colour changes throughout. And we're still in the sort of the white, semi-new romantic-ish Mm-hmm. look at the beginning yeah. here plus their own little little additions that they have like someone's got a little feather earring and someone's got little beads around his neck yeah i i, I did that's gin is that your is that your gin i get the sense no maybe he's a f- i get the sense that there's definitely um in the sort of the styling of it there's definitely a sense of like how do we characterize each member of the band how are they into you know sort of made individual even within the unity of it and i think that was a really nice touch as well yeah so then we have um a solo member and um <laughs> again we're like a third of the way through if that there is water shooting out of some cannons creating yes. rainbows in the sky yes i've also written down very good use of shooting things and yes, yeah brilliant use of shooting things key moments lots of things shooting out of pipes which I'm always pleased <laughs> yes, to see. Things come <laughs> So we've got a solo moment. And I've never seen that before in my life in a concert. Never seen it. Um, never. It's yeah. quite phenomenal. Uh, we've just got uh, this beautiful rainbow moment. Um, and, um, and then we're on to uh, another solo, which is Euphoria by John Cook. Mm-hmm. This is an absolute BTS classic, so oh, I'm yes. told. Uh-huh. And John Cook, uh, can I marry John Cook, internet? Mm, not sure you can, but get in the queue because he is a pink denim dream. Yes. And he has arrived for you. And what's about to happen here? That's right. John Cook's going to fly above the audience on a sort of, um, it's kind of like he's on a, the end of a fishing rod and he's been dangled above them like a little treat, like a snack for the audience. Yes. Like a wild for them just to reach up and, and pluck from the air. Yeah. Ooh, like a, he's like delightful just fruit. above you. Yeah. So yes. he, he kind of sails around <laughs> the audience <laughs> above their heads, tantalizingly. Yeah. Um, and also quite uh, singing away effortlessly. Sing. Yep, I'm singing yep. and I am flying over the audience um, while being sort of like put in massive danger. But it's fine. Yeah. One he slip, is loving it. And- many deaths. I mean, it should be pointed out that there is not a live band and there is no pretense of a live band. 
Um, yes. Considering some of the dance numbers, I do not think they're singing the entire way through. No, but I also it does don't look think they are. like he's singing while he's up on yeah, the fishing it, rod. It really does look like he's he's singing. Um, yeah, and it's it's just all very effortless. And then he, he descends and just steps off it, and then resumes with the dance <laughs> moves. Um, pretty, yes. and pretty then impressive. The other guys, the other guys, they arrive in pink, pretty in pink. Yeah. Yeah, and there's sort of definitely intervals throughout. So I, I, so I, I sort of feel as perhaps as a live experience, there might be moments of kind of. It does feel like there are moments where it just kind of stops and then starts again. Perhaps while there's setting yeah. up being, happening, which, which is interesting. I mean, the energy doesn't feel like it fades with the audience, but but it does feel like quite stoppy starty. I think there's in terms of how yeah. the video is edited, and it's interesting. We're also watching an edited film. Yeah. So who knows how long it took them. Yeah. It's also interesting what you mentioned about um, there not being a live band. It's all um, to backing track. But what I think has probably happened is that they did a kind of live studio version of it. Because yeah. th- these are um, sort of live arrangements of the songs, a lot of them. They're not just like the backing tracks from the, from the, the studio recorded versions. So I suspect, huh. yeah, so I suspect that what they did was to kind of create a live feel to it. They did yeah. a live studio version and then they're using the recording of that. So next. Yeah, we've got, uh, I've, I've got some invent because there, there's a moment as well what, where um, I think it's J- Jimin arrives in a sort of biodome. Yes, that's coming up next. Uh-huh. Uh, he appears in a in a sort of it's sort of like one of those shaky globes because he's kind of on on the ground and there's some sand and some uh, sort of what they call like sort of plants around him and he's there in a glittery black and white shirt. Uh-huh. The first of many examples of them wearing the sort of thing that my mum would wear out in the nineties. <laughs> um, I'm pulling it off. It's just a it's a blouse heavy it's a blouse heavy show. Yeah. And so he this is Jim or Jimin, yes, who arrives in a biodome, which then sort of is lifted and he's got an incredible falsetto voice yeah it's well i wrote because I, I wondered how much is live vocal there but but yeah the voice is beautiful and i really you know th- there's a lot of very inventive staging because i was not expecting to see a zen biodome <laughs> garden in, in, yep. tr- introduction yep. um and but there it was um yeah. yeah so we've got then um the this sort of as you say this kind of denim floating ombre look <laughs> Um, yes. And this formation, uh, formation group dancing, and I, I, this is maybe the point at which I feel like you sort of have to be a fan because I, this was the moment I was a bit like I feel like this is starting to stretch my interest slightly at this moment. Was this was this the the big group number that we have next? This was the big they, um... this was the big group number. I, I also sort of started to wonder mm-hmm. if I'd heard this song before. Um, and they were definitely miming. Yeah. Uh, and it just felt like that was the one moment where I felt things like sagged a bit and it felt a bit like dated. And dare I say it, a little bit five. Do you remember five? Of course I remember five. Is it possibly because they're wearing sort of mum bedsheet shirts? It's, it's a little I, bit. And it is but... like there's some classic boy band choreography going on around this point. Yes. The big dance number. Yeah. It just all feels a little... The, this is the first bit for me where it feels like a little bit dated and a bit like sort of cliche boy band. And yeah, they are mm. absolutely wearing kind of like ombre blouses and, and blue jeans. And it sort of, it felt like it kind of lost... The blue jeans yeah. were incredible. I was like, how have you managed to make these ripped blue jeans look like flared jeans from the, from the early 2000s? Yeah. It, it sort of, One of them even had a little brown woven belt. Right. Yeah, it sort of went in a kind of like... A, um, lady who'd escaped to Mykonos kind of vibe, you know? It sort of went there a little bit. She's gone to Mykonos to open a sandwich earring. shop is what I, is the vibe I was getting from this look. And, and I she's going to meet the love of her life, or is she? Or is she? Uh, um, oh, speaking of love of the life, mm, I found out Jimin, um, yes. there is a... <laughs> An American boy who is so in love with Jimin, he's yeah. gone full Liberace and had a load of plastic surgery to look like him, and oh. has officially married a cardboard cutout of Jimin in Las Vegas. Oh. Wow! Well, that's—I mean, yeah. let whatever works. Let's not—you uh, know—that feels like it could potentially be a great relationship for everyone involved. Um, no judgments. Goodness, no judgments here. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, so this this feels a bit dated. Um, it feels a bit five, uh, but I do think that they pull it back quite soon. Yeah, 
What do you think about the sort of queerness of this whole experience? Yeah, so this is one of the interesting things about sort of Asian, Asian pop culture. And I don't know if you're aware of a particular type of manga, a sort of subset of manga, which is very popular with teenage girls, which features... Boy love. It features boy love. So it's, it features very adro- adre- um, sort of androgynous looking boys falling in love, these very romanticised storylines. Um, and yeah. when I was in Japan, I can remember seeing a group of um, young schoolgirls reading this kind of um, manga on the on the metro in Tokyo. So it's it's hugely popular because it's it's sort of it's a very unthreatening way of mm-hmm. uh, of, of sort of girls kind of experiencing in a way exploring sexuality exploring sexuality it's very unthreatening but it's weirdly so the thing about that genre of manga is that it's also quite explicit <laughs> so um so they do you do see like these very androgynous boys having having sex mm. and stuff so it's quite an interesting um interesting phenomenon but so I wonder if that's one of the reasons why they were so they have been so popular in Japan is that they offer this yeah. kind of very unthreatening, slightly androgynous, but you know there is a sexuality there, and there is a there is a sense of uh, you know uh, there are there were definitely moments which sort of had a queerness to them. What do you think? Well, because I was like I I looked up off, after uh, being asked, you know. Uh, can I marry Jungkook? I was like, oh, maybe I'll have a little Google of their love lives, see what uh, what there is on the internet. And there is nothing. It's uh-huh. like there has been someone has come and cleaned the internet of any personal information of any of these uh, human beings. There was one big scandal in about 2014 where in the back of the photo uh, of Jin and his dressing room, one fan spotted one condom in a, in like a little condom case, and that is like the biggest hint that anyone's ever had that any of them having sex with anyone. Wow. They his were response really was looking... a fan sent it to me and that was it. Wow. They were really looking for the goss. They were desperate mm-hmm. to yeah. find what they could. That is number one on the list of top scandals of BTS, uh, an article that I read earlier today. It uh, was the condom in the back of Jin's photo and that is it. I, I watched a couple of interviews of them on, uh, I think it's Jimmy Kimmel or SNL and Jimmy Kimmel was like, what do you like about New York? What's been your favourite thing about New York? J-Hope stands up and goes, Soho, I love shopping! And then starts like, sort of like dances around the stage as though he's holding some shopping bags. Adorable. Adorable and super camp. But is that camp or is that just a culture or like a sort of pop music like expression that I am just reading wrong because I'm going, is it queer? Is it not queer? Are they being constructed? I don't know. But there's no information about... Any of them burning anyone of any gender. Okay. Good luck finding it. <laughs> well, I'm going to try. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I mean, it, it's it. There's a very interesting because there, there's not a sort of hyper masculinity at all to it for most mm. of it. Some of the hip hop stuff later on, I suppose, is more yeah. traditional sort of like hip hop like. But that's the stuff that felt the most unconvincing to me. I think musically I was least yeah. interested in their sort of hip-hop stuff, which was more of their kind of origins. And, and also yeah. there's, there's been a lot of stuff about sort of appropriation and black culture and music in K-pop. And yeah. it, I mean, I find it fascinating sort of seeing Western uh, music styles and music culture through different cultural lenses. And I think that is happening here. But yeah, sort of relationships to masculinity here are very Asian, I think. Very, very different differently cultured i mean you've spent a lot of time in asia compared to me i know it's not the same country you spent a lot of time in thailand but Mm -hmm. i think your knowledge of sort of expressions of masculinity in different kinds of genders in that part of the world is more than i have whereas i'm just saying so many pretty boys in lovely feathery earrings and going what's going on here which i think is i think is a fine interpretation (laughs) i want to skip down to this one here Mm -hmm. or maybe i'm skipping too far down but one of them is like lying on a bed yeah. This is just such a long gig, isn't it? Let's go there. Um, let's go there. Where are we? So we've had a bunch of more blouses. It's very mum of the 90s. Oh, here we go. It's coming up next. So this is V, uh-huh. um, who's one of the singers. Who yes. is, he's on the sort of... Um, he's got these men carrying, like, white drama plastic face masks and men dancing with sort of coats. It's very um, sick form drama school yes. going on here. But he's lying on a bed and is all close-ups. This is apparently V's thing. He does a lot of um, close-ups in uh-huh. gigs in general because he's got all this sort of subtle face work. But fucking hell, this, 
man is beautiful and is working that, all these angles and the audience is just going, ah, ah. Yes, I mean, he's just giving face. And the, the set piece, I think, is really gorgeous with this yeah. bed and this sort of cloud, cloud effect bed. Um, the music here is quite, uh, quite kind of like 90s Janet Jackson, I thought. That kind of like slightly solely kind of soul pop. And he's also wearing a bejeweled dressing gown. And frankly, I wanted it. I've got George Michael Kellis Whispers era. Yes. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, it is absolutely giving that. Yeah. And and we've gone into a sort of a more darker palette in the costumes and a bit more of a rock style. And do you feel that they make, do you feel that they make convincing rockers? at this point because we've got a we've got some like electric guitars and stuff going on and a bit more of a kind of a rock vibe you know what they meet you there and there is a sort of thing of like having to look like someone who makes rock music and look yeah. like someone who uses that kind of guitar and they don't look like that but they're in my opinion i think they're pulling it off yes i think so too because it's like it's a little bit of a it's like classic pop and there's a bit of hip-hop and then there's guitars and there's a bit of scratching going on like that and then like the boy like the guys that can rap in bts can actually really fucking rap yes yeah they really and then, then, the, then the dancers have like face masks like covid level face masks uh-huh. by this stage for like the rock number i'm i'm here for the mashup yes i think they can rock yeah i think it's an interesting um th- there's an interesting sort of mashup styles as you say like there's just so many influences in the music and it it, it sort of feels like a sort of a, ju- a musical journey as well um yeah. as as well as there being these kind of set pieces and these these almost like these acts and and uh, here we're, we're definitely entering this kind of like slightly darker kind of um style in the music and in the look and in and in the performances that the, there is also just this kind of massive range of of musical styles that we're sort of taken on this yeah. journey through um, through this this kind of K-pop lens, which I think is really fascinating. So then we're on to Jin uh, singing at the piano. Oh, Jin at the piano. You know what? The audience are completely silent. And for, uh, like, whatever it is, 100,000 people that love them, mm-hmm. they're very good at respecting when it's the quiet number. They are, aren't they? They're a very respectful they were, audience. They were very, very quiet during this ballad yeah. where he's playing the piano and his little inner ear, glittery earpiece... He's got a yeah. pink glittery inner earpiece that matches his pink glittery handheld mic. Great. There's a lot of glitter. And then he gives the audience one look and they, again, they go wild again. That's yes. someone who knows beats as well, beats of performance. Stop finish playing the piano, take a moment, look to the audience. He, oh, he is him. the master. I think Jin is the master of pausing, looking at the audience and just yeah. allowing them to scream for a minute, which is what they want to do, and then going straight on into it. I think I, I, I appreciate Jin's uh, milking of the audience, which he does quite a yeah. lot. Um, so you know, they're... like the fucking confidence of... I mean, of course, of course you'd be confident if you were the best-selling artist in the world and had that yeah. many people love you, but I really enjoy watching them being incredibly <laughs> confident on stage. Confident, like the, absolutely the, like, confident. And confident enough stillness. to hold stillness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To hold stillness and to yeah. hold moments and to just let to let moments that they've created kind of just like hold in the air. And I think that yeah. is so it's just so kind of effortlessly confident. So then we're on to a group um ballad. We are on to um The Truth yeah. Untold. And I think that they are singing live in this moment. And it's 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 the song I think yeah. with the with the most paired back instrumentation. It's the most simple. And you know, I felt this the this the, the voices are quite soft in this. Um but I thought thought the harmonies were just really gorgeous. Yeah, because they've got a range of voices and some of them can some of them are baritone, one mm-hmm. of them's really low and one of them's falsetto. They can do some fucking great harmonies and they are mm. doing them. Whether they're recorded or not, I don't care. But I think you're right on this number. I think this one was live. live. Because also um they are still but the but there's the sort of levels of uh, platforms moving that they're on. So I think yeah. that sort of allows them the stillness I think allows them to kind of uh vocalize live fully. And um, yeah, I think I there there is a bit of a thinness to the voices, but they they are quite soft, which is interesting in comparison to the moments where they're they're quite boomy, which makes me wonder yeah. if those moments are more recorded. But but I I, I I think it's a really it's a beautiful song, and I thought the harmonies, I think they re, you know they they really are just so in sync, and that comes through vocally as well. Yeah, and then it's leading up to 
mic drop mm-hmm. with an actual mic drop. Yes. Drop that mic on the mic drop. Yeah, brilliant. Um, we've got, uh, yeah, so we've got this, we've got the hip hop, I think not very convincing gangsters, but it is a delight to yeah. watch all the same. Yep, same. Yeah, great. Yeah, so this is RM, Sugar and J-Hope. They're the rappers in the gang. Yeah. Uh, the other four are the singers. Uh, so yeah, they do like their hip hop number and then they lead into mic drop, which is a big finale before the 40 minute encore. Yeah, and so RM... He would, so RM stands for... Rap Monster. He's recently changed the meaning and it stands for Real Me. Mm-hmm. He's the leader. He was the originator. So he was sort of spotted as an early teen and he begged his parents to uh, let him leave uh, school and not go to university. But apparently he was incredibly clever. Mm-hmm. And his mum said, you have to go to university. And he said, mum, would you rather I was uh, the 5,000th best student or the number one rapper? Hey. And I think she said, please go back to school, <laughs> RM. <laughs> but he left and he joined one of these sort of like production house academy stuff. And they started to build a group around him and hip hop. Right. And I, and perhaps that uh, he, he seems quite instrumental in um, also sort of leading the, the influence, the, the sort of these literary influences as well of the band. Yeah. He was also the one at the beginning with these sort of um, big old walking stick stuff. Yes. For the entrance. Yeah, he is. Like a big You know he's stuff. in charge. You know he's in charge he's and he's got a big staff. Um, <laughs> Get out. Now, we need to talk about the huge inflatable playground situation <laughs> that just suddenly... Yeah, so here we are in the encore. Yes. And there is what uh, looks like, again, back to the 90s, um, a children's swimming pool assault course um, yeah. inflates. Which they are running up and down, going down the slides. Yeah. Bouncing They're literally on. like go- going down slants and bouncing on bouncy castles. While, si- while singing. It's, I just think it's so charming. I'm also much here, much more here, I think, for these, these sort of electro dancey numbers that they have than I yeah. am for the hip-hop yeah. numbers. So, uh, so I was completely here for this. Um, I thought it was completely delightful watching them just being completely foolish and uh, jumping around on a big bouncy castle, essentially. But, I mean, the harmonies on this, whether or not it's like a... Whether it's a live one, but... I'm going to look up this track because you're right. It's sort of like a pretty manic 90s style dance track, but the harmonies on it are insane. Yes. I really, really love this track. You know, uh, one of the big discoveries of this for me has been um, that actually I might be a BTS fan. I I really like their music. I really like it. Would you go to a BTS concert? Yeah. I was thinking this. I was like, 100% I would go. I would as well. I mean, I'd be the person that, that everyone was staring at going, why are you here? I don't know, because who are their audience in London? There's a large, like, Korean population, I know that, but there's not... Mm. It won't just be... I suppose it'd be teenagers, because they're massive now. I think it would be more of a teen audience, potentially. Mm. Um, and so there might be a Tween, kind of like, even, maybe? Might be a tween. So, uh, you know, I'm sure I, it's probably a younger audience. Maybe it's very inclusive... I'd like to think it would be because I want to go. Basically, I'd be completely... We will go together. Let's go together. I would be completely there there for it. Um, So next thing I was not expecting. So we've we've had this electric track and... And then the next thing I was not expecting was kind of a good 25 to 30 minutes of some sort of disembodied voice interview. So there's a chat... There's a there's a there's a sort of disembodied voice that I'm guessing is asking questions um, that they're yeah. responding to, but we never see who that is. And then quite a lot of stand up improvised physical comedy <laughs> for a good twenty five yeah, minutes. I wish I knew what they were saying. I wish that they knew what I knew what they were saying. But but there was there were moments, for example, where they uh, were picking out shapes of clouds in the sky above them and mimicking yeah. them in a comic fashion which the audience seemed to love. And I have to say, you know, that transcends language, cloud mimicry. Um, and I was really here for that. Um, I mean, it's yeah. a sort of classic boy band, like, or like completely adored boy band thing, is that you have to have the personality and, like, the humour to go along with it. It's like, even mm. back to the Beatles, when they made Hard Day's Night and Help the Movies, and people were into them for the chat as much as they were into them for the music. And there's but, something going on here with BTS minutes. where they're building their personalities. Yes. So it's very much... Too long. 
It's very much a personality thing. And I, I sort of watched it even though I couldn't understand what they were saying. Because I, I, there was something, like the charm and the charisma kind of carried it through. But I mean, that is a lot of, of improvised comedy chat, you know? But, yeah, uh, but or equally, planned. I, either way, it was scripted way. and then it's too long. Or yes. improvised and it's too long. Yeah, but the audience, I think, were there for it. Um, and I did yeah. feel that there was a real sense of unity and, uh, and friendship as well in this moment yeah. it really felt that again there was a sense of unity and they were all kind of supporting each other's gags and yeah. fooling around it felt like it very free and very it's sort of improvised uh, even if it wasn't a lot of off-the-cuff stuff yeah um so I thought it was really charming but not what I was expecting yeah same and then they sort of um I don't know if someone was in charge of this chat or mm-hmm. it was part of the deal that they had to do this chat because they then have a photographer come on stage and they stand with their backs to the audience yeah. so that a photo is taken with them with the arena which feels incredibly counterintuitive to turn your back on an audience that size when you're trying to build to the finale yes well the finale weirdly is that they get on two big kind of buses and sort of do victory laps around hang on what i missed that so i've got the, i've got a track they do after oh. all of the talking where a mirrorball sort of is suspended in the sky, uh-huh. in the open air sky above them, which is an amazing piece of tech. Uh-huh. And they do like a sort of pretty chilled hip hop number. Yeah. And maybe I pressed stop. Oh. I didn't see the buses. No, well, okay, so so there's the song, the finale song, uh, and then there's basically a, 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 an instrumental reprise of the song that goes on for maybe 15 minutes. And then they get on big buses, <laughs> uh, um, like two buses. So there's there's like they, they divide up into in, onto each bus, and then they do kind of like victory laps around the auditorium, like where, when a football team comes home, and like they sort of like when a football team. Center. So there's a good so the goodbye um, with this instrumental reprise is goes on for a good fifteen to twenty minutes. Um, I wonder what happened at the end because I saw 15 minutes left of the video and I saw it was the last song and I thought oh, I must be credits. It's that. It's it's that they go around. <laughs> no, they go around on a big on two big buses, sort of bu- weird big buses things that a, a sort of light galaxy light show is projected onto them, <laughs> and um, yeah, and they just basically wave at the audience and um, and dance around. And Jin does a lot of his signature um, air kissing, and and then they're all like bye. And that's that's the end. Wow. I'm sorry I missed the buses. I will go back and watch it. I've actually started rewatching this gig again. Oh, did I you? I watched it once today already. Just to, just to brush up. Yes. Just to revisit the excitement I had when I realised about two minutes in that I was a BTS fan. Yes, exactly. I genuinely was expecting to not want to watch this and not be interested mm. and be like... Or be engaged. It'd be, I thought the fact that it's in another language... Yes. And and I think this is a really great example of how how charisma is transcendent of language, because even in the very, very long talky section, I sort of was still there with them because of the sort of the charisma and the and the unity and the kind of um, sense of camaraderie, which I think is very compelling in itself. It makes me wonder. I mean, I'm sure it's years worth of music that as a kind of english-speaking country we were not forced to or had the sort of typical upbringing of listening to music in other people's languages Mm. whereas if you go to like france or like euro pop french people listen to english language music and german language music and spanish language music and it's completely normal to listen to music by someone who's not speaking your first language yes whereas we're like well we don't have to because everyone comes to us yes everyone comes to us and speaks english to us but we must have missed so much nick I think so. And also, I think that's one of the things that's really refreshing about this sort of K-pop explosion is that, um, you know, there's lots of cultural elements that are recognisable because they are Western, but they are through this um, this this K-pop lens. And it's it's very much it feels like very much a Korean cultural moment. And I am here for it. Yeah. Hooray for BTS. We're part Hooray. of the army now. That's what their fans are called. We are part of the army. I, I and I'm sure they're like, no, please don't be. But, <laughs> but I am. But I'm sorry. I'm now a member. Jin. Take How it. How can I marry Jin? <laughs> How can I marry Jin? 
Um, so overall thoughts. Can what are your I, overall Google, thoughts? Can, please, please, can I marry June? Yeah. What are overall your overall thoughts? thoughts? Um, I am, I'm delighted, delighted. I had a fucking delightful day listening oh. to that and watching that and yeah. discovering that. And I'm going to go away and look up my favourite tracks from BTS and add them to my oh. Spotify. This is on. Hey. Yeah. A, a, a journey I was not expecting to take of fandom. Um, I wasn't expecting to see... So so much personality, so much kind of uniqueness, such interesting interpretation and a real attention to the staging and the kind of the journey that they're taking the audience on. I really felt that was present. And uh, yeah, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I also wasn't expecting the, the avant-garde mid-century philosophy references. Yeah. So a journey of discovery there with BTS. Which I'm glad Hooray we took. BTS. Yeah. Hey, BTS. Great gig girl. Great gig girl. Thank you for listening to episode three of Geek It Up. And next time we are talking about... Celine Dion live in Las Vegas. Celine Dion's backstage access documentary of oh. her live in Las Vegas. And what a backstage it is. <laughs> I am so excited to share next episode. See you so then. Many. So many thoughts on Zector Celine. So many thoughts. Oh, and where can we be found? Oh, you can find us on Instagram at Gig It Up Podcast. Thank you so much for listening again. Bye. <laughs>